0: tonight's scripture we are in Matthew 13 verses 44 through 46 so if you all want to take out your Bible and we're in Matthew 13 44 through 46 the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jack. Hey, I, uh, I'm so glad to see you. My name is Thomas Nelson. I'm uh, the young adult pastor here at Christ Covenant. If we haven't met... And uh, uh, a couple of things were, uh, were announced and you were, you were, you were quiet. You were, <laughs> you're, I would have kept talking. Um, so I'm proud of you. Uh, but anyway, I, uh, I, I, the ski trip, I would love for you to go on. There's only 75 spots. There's more than 75 of you, but I would love for you to go. It's gonna be very fun. And, uh, and if you're in ministry of any capacity, um, church, parachurch, uh, you're not in ministry, but you're going into ministry, meaning like you've left one job, you're going to another, something like that. We'd love for you to come to that dinner on November the 7th. We just want to try to get all of us in the same room. Um, and then we'll have young adults together. Um, and so that'll just be a great night. More to come on that. But uh, so tonight we're jumping in. It's the last of the parables that we're going to cover for a little bit. We're actually going to jump to the Old Testament after this for a minute. Um, uh, spoiler alert, on Halloween, Halloween's a Tuesday, we hit all the holidays this year. Um, Halloween's a Tuesday, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to do a one-off on things that go bump in the night, and, uh, and so we'll talk about all the scary things, because why not? Um, and so that'll be a fun night, uh, and then next thing you know, it'll it be like Advent season. That's crazy, uh, but let's not talk about that yet. Okay, so I do have to tell you a funny story as we start. And I know Jack just read the passage. So I'm gonna tell you the story. And then I'm gonna, I built like a little tiny loose, I wouldn't take two people on it, kind of a bridge from this story to the sermon. Uh, and so here's the deal. Two, or Saturday we had our, our tailgate, our Georgia-Auburn tailgate, and, uh, and it was great. It was great. The, the, the Auburn Tigers did a wonderful job. I was proud of them. I pull for Auburn, and, uh, and so I was proud of them. And the dogs, the dogs came out on top. But I will say, dogs, you may have given some other teams a glimmer of hope. Um, they may be salvating a little bit, looking forward to playing you, and so I'm just saying, watch out. It's tough to be on top, uh, and so, but I I love you. In fact, we have a dog next week uh, on the front row here who I'm going to interview, and he's you're going to share. He's going to share his testimony. He's one of our elders, so we're such like an ecumenical body here. We love each other, uh, and so. It's gonna be great. But on the way home, it was a long day. John Vogt and I and Kate Clark, we all set up a bunch, and a bunch of you helped. But it was a super long day. And when I finally got the trailer loaded and was heading out, there was one thing only on my mind, and it was food. And uh, and so I, I I I don't know why it was Taco Bell. Like it's all I could think about. And I can't tell you the last time I went to Taco Bell. Like it's been like hello old friend. I um, mean, it had been a long time, and so I was like, "Taco Bell or bust," and then I was like, "Well, <laughs> anyway." Um, sorry, that's a little middle schoolish, but um, but so so anyway. On the way there, like I had it set, my my uh, my heart and my stomach had converse before my brain could jump in, and, uh, and I was headed that direction. I put it in my maps, everything. I was on my way to Taco Bell. Traffic was horrible. Um, I went college all the way to 85, which I never do. I usually take back roads to get to 85, but I got there. I finally got to Taco Bell. As I was approaching Taco Bell, I had this just shuffle on on my iTunes. That's right. I use iTunes. Um, and so I had this shuffle going, and Imagine Dragons Thunder came on. And I was like, could this be a sign? thunder 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 i'm literally reading you the lyrics thunder 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 feel the thunder lightning then the thunder and i was like what is about to happen but I was fully committed and so I went through the drive through pulled my trailer through ordered uh, a chi- grilled chicken a grilled chicken burrito which I've never had before and uh, and a chicken quesadilla I was like you got to work on the figure you got to go with chicken so I did I went with chicken, and I was so excited. The lady handed me my bag. I put the bag in the passenger seat. I drove on. It was just me in the car, and uh, Heather had, had ridden with her, her parents and nephews, and so they were, like, long gone down the road, and here I am. I got it in the passenger seat, me and my long-lost friend, and I reach in, so excited to grab that, that burrito, and my hand hit fries. Fries, fries. I didn't even know they had those. Um, and so, so I ate them, all of them, but not before I found the cheese sauce that comes with them. Taco Bell, you have grown up. And so, like, I ate those, and then I was like, well, what else is in this mystery bag of hitchhiking food? And so I reach in, and I'm, like, looking for the burrito. No burrito. Dorito taco. And so, so I ate that. And, uh, and then I was like, this bag of goodies, could, who knows what's next? And then I found it. But the one thing I had actually ordered, the chicken quesadilla. And I ate that too, and uh, and so and I was not even to the interstate yet, and like I mean like I crushed all of that. It was wonderful, and so I I was thinking, was that song a sign of regret to come? Uh, and then and then church clap came on on my shuffle, and I knew I would see Sunday, uh, and so so I was fine. I. I made it home, and no, nothing to speak of. Negatively happened, um, but and so, so here's like a really loose bridge between. Again, don't take two people on this bridge. A really loose bridge between a funny story and our sermon tonight. We make so many decisions, decisions all the time, and a lot of them are like my Taco Bell decision. Like they're not that important. And now you can over spiritualize them, you can overthink them, but honestly, they're not that important. I mean, maybe you spent too much on the shoes. Maybe you like went to Taco Bell and you shouldn't have. Like A lot of those, you're like, okay, I regret my decision, and but I can make up for it pretty quickly. However, the longer you go in life, yes, you have more of those, but you also have more of the big, big decisions. Like what you do with your career, what you do with your body, what you do with your time, really, really big, weighty decisions. And I think there's a lot of risk, there's a lot of reward, but there's a lot of regret. And I actually think that in these two little parables, just three verses, I think there's actually, a, a, in between the lines here, a, a way that the Lord is telling us, you can live without regret, Now, you can't live without pain, and so let's not get those two confused. Jesus himself carried pain, but he never carried regret. And I think we we see this in these brilliant parables that Jesus is going to give us tonight. And so I want to just look at these parables, and what I think we'll see is that in these two parables, there definitely is risk, risk, and there's reward. There's actually great risk and reward, but there is, there is no regret. But I think another thing that you see in these two parables is something really, really important, and we've talked about it before, but I think what we see in here is lordship salvation, And what I mean by lordship salvation, I I most likely will get into it a little bit later in the sermon. But what I mean by lordship salvation is that you agree with the things of the Lord, not just agree that he can save you from hell. And so your your life embodies him. In fact, I, I would say you can't have Jesus and other things and that is what these parables teach. And so I don't care if you've been a Christian for 20 years, two minutes, or you're not yet. You need to know this, and you need to be reminded of this. You can't have Jesus and other things. Like, he's not he, hes not like a hobby. He's not, he's not college football. He's not the Braves. He's not the Hawks. He's not the Falcons. He's not Atlanta United. He's not a band that you travel to see. He's not a town that you really like to go visit Um, He's not a book that you love or a museum that you go to. Um, He's not a wad that you PR. Uh, Like he's he's none of those things. So no matter how much time and money you spend on those things, you still also have like your life. And the thing with Jesus is Jesus is my life. And everything else has to flow around him to see if it makes it into me. And the two stories that Jack just read us, that's exactly what this is about. And so I, I want to say this in another way. Uh, the, these two parables, I, I want to say them in the way of relationships. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. When the man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy sold all that he had, bought that, went and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. And so let me just show you this idea of lordship, salvation, the, the, the selling everything to buy the field, the selling everything to buy the pearl. And I'll just say, my mother-in-law, this is a good example. Always throw your mother-in-law in there. Um, my mother-in-law, she, she says, you're my favorite son-in-law. And I tell her, you're my favorite mother-in-law. And the reason we joke about that is because I'm her only son-in-law and she's my only mother-in-law. And so, you know, what, what if though, like there were multiples, because that's what that implies, there are multiples. Well, let me say it a different way to you. What if Heather was my favorite lady? Like she's my favorite one. I hope you would stop listening to me preach. Like I hope you would find somewhere else to go if I thought she's my favorite. Like, that implies that, that there's others that are like runner-ups. Now, you ladies are awesome. But here's the deal. You're not even in the same category as her. Because the category that she's in doesn't have favorites. It's just one. Because we've covenanted together and so she's not my favorite, she's just the one. And I'm her one because we've covenanted together. So that there's no such category as favorites in that deal. You know the, the, the marriage vows, the traditional vows, forsaking all others. They go like this. I promise to love and cherish you in good times and in bad and sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, forsaking all others. Keep myself unto only unto you for so long as we both shall live. And then one commentator said, the problem with most of us is that we would like a little of the kingdom as an add-on to the rest of our lives because we want to hedge our bets. And you can't hedge your bets with the kingdom. This parable urges us to abandon what we thought was the focus of life, and focus entirely on what God is doing with the kingdom. Let me just pause right there. This sounds like super spiritual Christianity, like next level. It's not. This is basic Christianity, And and if you don't believe me, just read Hebrews chapter six, because in Hebrews six, he goes on and he lists the laying on of hands, uh, baptisms, he lists like all these different things and says, shall we go on again, laying a foundation? This is basic Christianity. This isn't like when I arrive, it'll just be Jesus. No, no, no. From the start, he said, it's either him or all the other stuff. It's not it's not both. We don't get to hedge our bets. And so these parables talk about selling and most of us never have to sell anything to come to follow Jesus. But another person said they must be willing to risk all. You and I still, even if we don't have to sell a thing, must be willing to risk all if the priorities of the kingdom threaten the security of their earthly existence. Holding on to Jesus should look reckless. And for those of you that are, that are newer to your faith or those of you that are coming back to the Lord, you've probably developed quite a social circle and a lot of those folks probably are not interested in the Lord or are curious, but they're more onlookers and you're probably the outlier in your group. Your faith The more you know Jesus and see how incredible he is and fall in love with him and feel indebted to him, the more that these things happen, the more reckless your life ought to look to them in the best of ways. And so let's let's look at both of these parables here. So let's go back to the the iPad. Let's look at both of these parables. Um, So... This man in the first one, um, there's this treasure that's hidden in a field, and this would have been very common in the first century. Think about it. There's no, there's no safes. There's no, uh, there's no safety deposit boxes. There are always invaders. There's wars. What if you travel? What if you travel for a while and you don't have a place to lock your stuff up? So it was not uncommon to bury something very valuable to you in a spot that only you would remember. However, to stumble upon someone's buried treasure is like a once in a life or once in several lifetimes kind of event. And pearls, while they're not quite as valuable today, we, we think of like gold or diamonds or those kinds of things, um, Lab grown diamonds, all those kinds of things, all the, all the things. Um, like we think about that. But pearls at this point in time were incredibly valuable. And you think about how you have to harvest a pearl and how dangerous that would have been for the folks that got them. And so, a pearl of great price, like these are, these are the, the images that are laid for us. Um, Ligonier Ministry is a great ministry, says of these two parables the kingdom is of such inestimable value that those who understand this truth will do whatever it takes to possess it. If we know God's kingdom in Christ, truly we will not consider it, listen to this, truly we will not consider it too costly to sell all that we have if that is what it takes to appropriate the kingdom and its treasure. Again, this is lordship salvation. Jesus isn't just my savior, he's my boss. He's my audience of one. He's who I ask every day when I put my head on the pillow, how was it today? Did I represent you well because I love you so much? There's there's no category in the language of the Bible. Hear me on this. There's no category in the language of the Bible for someone who says, yeah, I'm like halfway in with Jesus. If your life is, a, is pictured as a house, yeah, he's got like the first floor and the second floor, but like the basement, I kind of put a do not disturb sign on. There's no category for that type of Christian in the language of the Bible. So uh, Matthew Henry, who I've been on a Matthew Henry kick recently, um, He's been dead a long time, and Heather just bought um, the new Matthew Henry commentary. I think she got taken on that one. Um, like, but anyway, uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, the new, the Matthew Henry says, uh, Those who discern this treasure in the field and value it aright will never be at ease until they've made it their own on any terms. Now, these parables also show us who finds Jesus, and this is really important. So who finds Jesus? Because you fit in one of these two categories. Some of you are seekers, and that the the parable of the pearl is for you. You were disgruntled. You were hurt. You were wounded. um, You were curious. You couldn't disprove God. You were seeking, and you found the pearl. But some of you, some of you were just going for a walk, And you stubbed your toe on the greatest treasure to ever be found. Now that's my story. And I call that being ambushed by God. I wasn't looking for him. I was looking for girls and friends. And I went to a youth camp as a 17-year-old right before my senior year in high school. And he ambushed me my last night. He got me good. Like I was not looking for him. I was ready to pray and then go flirt. And in the prayer... He got me, like he got me. I never saw it coming. And life has never been the same since. So my story is more the treasure in the field. And I think, let's, let's just use, for the next few minutes, let me just use a, a marriage analogy to talk about how this whole thing practically plays out. And so I would say, In this parable, what we see are, I think there's three clear things, maybe four clear things, and then a fifth that's like kind of hidden in there, but certainly I think implied, and it's at least implied in the rest of Scripture. So the most clear things are, there is the idea of departing, there's the idea of selling, and there's the idea of buying, Also, the two other categories, one we just mentioned, I would say finding is definitely in here. And the last, the fifth category, cherishing. And so I think what we see here is the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when the man found it, then he, he hides it again. He goes with joy, sells all that he has, buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for. So these are the two kinds of finding. He found it, he stumbled upon it, and then there was a person who was looking for it. Uh, and then I'll just go through these and I'll use the marriage, now, the, the marriage analogy. Um, so then there's the, there's the departing. So once people find it, what does this guy do? He hides it and then his, his joy, he went so he departs, and the same with the person who found the pearl. He found one pearl of great value, and then he went away. And so there's how people find the kingdom, and this all is going to apply to all of us. Then there's what happens after they find it, the departing, and then there is the selling. And uh, and so the guy who found it in the field, he sold all he had, and the person with the pearl sold Everything, And then, when you use the same color, you have to be a little creative. All right, then there's the buying. And so, the treasure in the field, he bought it. And the pearl of great price, it was bought. And so, let me just play this out with a little marriage analogy for just a second. And cherishing, like I said, is more kind of hidden, and I want to come to that at the end. So, I, I was going to speak at Crew at KSU, and i had just graduated i was a first year out of school i was working as a college pastor basically still a college student and uh, and when i went to speak at crew i uh, i went to the burris building and i was in there and i was i was about to to start preaching and i saw her i saw her and everybody else faded y'all i was like shook i mean like smitten like there she was Heather Watson. She didn't have to change much in that last name. Heather Watson. She was there. She, she was new. And I was like, who is this? And I didn't know that you could preach and say one thing, but think another. And so for like 30 minutes, I did. I, I preached, and I think it was coherent, but I was thinking about her. And, uh, and so I, that, that was how I found her. Totally shocked that I found her that day. She was not looking for me, I was not looking for her, but I found this treasure. And, and it was like, it was incredible. Uh, and so, you know, once I, once I found her and she found me and, and we weren't looking, then we had to, we, you know, some things had to happen after that, but I just want you to know, that's how it happens so often. You weren't looking, in fact, a guy told me, he said, you're going to that, you're going to speak at that Bible study to find a wife. And I said, see, we didn't mess around, y'all. Early 2000s, I was going to find a wife. Y'all need to learn about that. All right. And so, like, I wasn't messing around. I wasn't going to find a girlfriend. I'm not in fifth grade. So I was going to find a wife. I made $21,000 a year. I was ready. I was like, I'm ready. And so $21,500, that's how much I made every year. Um. I did the math one day, and I was like, I think I can make this CVS. Um, and they were like, I think I can make more. Um, like, anyway, so I, uh, I, I, but anyway, found her. And, uh, and, and she wasn't looking for me. I wasn't looking for her. And that's just so often how it happens. The guy told me I was going to go find a wife. And I said, I am not going for a girl. I haven't dated intentionally for three years. I'm going for the Lord. And then I came home, or I came back to work after that. And I was like, I met a girl. <laughs> so, but, that's, that's kind of the story of the, in the first part, uh, the first of these parables. He found it when he wasn't really looking for it. He found this hidden treasure. And you know, if Jesus is the hidden treasure, and we take it away from marriage for just a minute, Jesus is the hidden treasure. As an eight-year-old, it's pretty easy to like, start assessing this is as incredible. As an 18-year-old, it's a little more complex, though. But as an adult, you you might need some time to kind of ponder this. What is this thing, this person they're singing about, they're talking about that's in the Bible? Like it's a big deal to kind of ponder. But we didn't stay there that whole day. We stayed there for a while talking. It's a longer story, but that's what happened. We ended up talking, but we departed And the departing, I would say another word is considering. The man who found the treasure, he departed. Again, the person who finds the pearl, he departs. And there's a lot that can happen in that departing. Uh, In the parables, both of these, it's instant. You see that it's like instant, like finds the treasure, departs, comes back and buys it. Finds the pearl, departs, goes back and buys it. But in real life, and I'm not, I'm not like contradicting the Bible, but in real life, sometimes it's a lot slower. You get ambushed by the Lord, and you get a little, a little time to think. What am I gonna do with that? It's actually biblical. Consider the cost. And so so I, I went back and and I thought about Heather, and uh, and I, I I think the reason I keep using this, by the way, is because what we're talking about in the scriptures is a lot like marriage. It's a divine romance between God and us. And the groom has made himself known to us, the bride, and he's got the ring and the house and all the things. As, as an eight-year-old, if this, again, if we take this out of marriage and we make this about us and the Lord, as an eight-year-old, the departing, leaving VBS or leaving your friend's spend-the-night party where you heard about Jesus, those different little things that are sweet that happen as a kid, like the departing is not that complicated. Again, as an 18-year-old, as soon as you depart, the phone starts blowing up for you to go party and hang out with your buddies and do all the things. As an adult... Departing's really hard because the world is coming at you at a hundred miles an hour. And to get get space to think and process, it's difficult. You have to fight for it. And the the more life you've lived, the more you've been let down, Uh, the the more you've experienced, the more reason you think you have to be cynical. And so all these things Come at you once you've discovered the treasure of Jesus, and then you have a chance to walk away from him for a second. Uh, I I want you to know that in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is personified often. I think it's personified. um, I think Jesus is the character of wisdom a few different times, specifically in the book. Um, But in Proverbs 3, 13 through 18, I think it's so beautiful because it's talking about wisdom, but I think it's really talking about Jesus. And so listen to this, it says, "'Blessed is the one who finds wisdom.'" You stumble upon it. You find the treasure, the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit is better than gold. She's more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. You just substitute Jesus in there for wisdom, and I think you'll see a beautiful picture of the gospel. And so, after considering Heather, this guy started to to put up signs for a yard sale. And that's what, that is the natural progression when it comes to Jesus. You meet him, whether you were looking or whether you got ambushed. And you think and you contemplate and the Holy Spirit's working on you and pretty soon you ought to have signs of a yard sale up in the yard of your life because you're getting rid of some stuff. You're offloading. For me, you know, um, it was the start of forsaking all others. I began to tell people of my intent. I begin to tell other girls, I know you are waiting on me, but sorry, I'm off the market. Um, I mean, like, I begin to tell other guys, you can look, don't touch. In fact, don't even look. Like I was like very serious about these things. Um, I, I had a conversation with my father-in-law who was not my father-in-law at the time about how great his daughter was. And uh, I asked for her hand in marriage. I mean, I was liquidating everything to get this girl. And that is exactly what these two men do in these stories to get the treasure. They liquidate everything. Everything. I didn't come to Heather with a girl in my back pocket being like, yeah, yeah, you're you're like, you're the only one except these other people. No, like my life was an open book. I was like, examine it anywhere you want. You can examine any part of me. There's nobody else. It's just you. I have forsaken all others. I mean, I was selling it all. And that is what the picture we are given in these two parables is. When it comes to the lordship of Jesus, we liquidate everything that stands in his path. And right now, there's probably some things coming to mind that you have not liquidated. And then, then you start making big boy moves. And you go to buy. Now, a lot can happen when you're walking towards the purchase with a pocket full of cash. That's like <clears throat> that's like 2019 language, cash. Um, <clears throat> but a lot can happen when you're walking to make the purchase with that, all that money that you've liquidated, a lot of decision, a lot of questions, a lot of nerves, a lot of cold feet. But think about how far you've come. You found the treasure. You contemplated the treasure when you went away. You liquidated all that stuff because the treasure was worth it. So don't stop now. And now you lay all that you liquidated down and do not expect it back. That's the beauty in these two parables. Not once are they like, man, I regretted giving all my money for the pearl or I wish I hadn't sold all my stuff and bought that field so that I could get the treasure. No, they're like happy to be without it. And so they kind of double liquidate, don't they? They sell all their stuff and then it's gone again. Again. Just changes forms into cash and then it's gone again. They're left with nothing but the treasure. And then, if you think about that, by the way, as an eight year old, it's like super sweet. They gave their life to Jesus and they pray the sweet little prayer and they get baptized and it's beautiful. An 18 year old, when this happens, it's so freeing because they're not bound by that teenage angst anymore. But as an adult, and we see it so many Sundays when we do baptisms on this stage and they give their testimonies, as an adult, it is euphoric. Because you entered a place you didn't even know existed. The fairy tale became real, and it is euphoric. But then the fifth one that's not in here, the cherishing. This is where I think the the wheels fall off for so many. Do you know what the background is on my phone? It's Heather. Do you know what I do every Friday night? I take Heather on a date. Do you know who calls me at 3.30 most every day? It's Heather. Do you know if I'm talking to someone on the phone and she calls at 3.30, I tell them, I mean, it could be the president. I'm like, hey, you chop liver, brother, bye. Like, I mean, like, I'm talking to her. I would tell them I'd call him back. Um, <laughs> but like, I, it's, you know why? Because as soon as I stop cherishing her and she stops cherishing me, I want some of that money back and I wanna go buy some other stuff. And this is where the wheels fall off for so many of us. You know, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is true whether we realize it or or not. The problems start when we stop cherishing the treasure we found or the pearl we sought. When that happens, we usually start trying to get stuff back. But think about this. We don't have any money to get anything back with, and so what are we doing? We're stealing And this is why people cling to Jesus and they have all this other baggage that leads to depressions of different kinds and anger and frustrations and all that because they're trying to hold to Jesus and they're stealing all this stuff back that they sold a long time ago. They liquidated it all. And so what you've taken back, it wasn't bought, it's stolen goods. And so what kinds of things are these? I think you can put them into three easy categories, sex, money, and power. You liquidated all those when you came to Christ. You liquidated your desire for sex, your views on sexuality, and you said, I subscribe to what you subscribe to. Money and materialism, you gave that up. Power, you gave that up and you said, I'm a servant of Christ. And if those things have crept back into your life, I guarantee you, you stopped treasuring the Lord and he didn't go anywhere he is the faithful husband i mean think about this think about so, some of so many christians are living in sexual sin and you know you're actually robbing other people what isn't yours to take you know consensual sex for christians isn't consensual unless god agrees with it i don't care if you both said yes 10 times If God doesn't agree with it and you are a part of the kingdom and you liquidated all your stuff, it's not consensual because he hasn't given his consent. And that goes for all three of these things, sex, money, and power. Luke 12, 15 through 21, Jesus says, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness. Life's for one's life does not consist in the abundance of their possessions, and then he gives a parable about how a man thought it was his goal in life was to collect all this stuff and he dies and while having all these things, a sad, old, lonely man. I think power, one of the biggest things about power that people look for, or one, of the, one of the biggest reasons Christians look for power is to fight loneliness. Because power shows I can have people around me, I can get people near me, and you do it in all kinds of different ways, whether it's a sensual coercing or whether it's a, it's a social media presence or whatever it is, power is one of those things that we're always grabbing for. And, and I just want to talk to a few of you for just a minute. I know this isn't the whole room, but I think you're a group that's worth talking to. I want to talk to some of you who are sad in your singleness for just a minute. Look, we hear you. Heather and I Sunday night prayed for you specifically. But I want you to listen to me. You are not defined by your relationship status. You you are not in a season of singleness. You're instead a uh, you're instead you're in a divinely appointed position for the master. You just need to go read 1 Corinthians 7, the whole chapter, soak it up. First, I'll read you one verse out of it. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 it says, I wish that all were as I, I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind, one of another. Paul says that he has a gift that he's received by the Lord. Elizabeth Elliot, the, the, the famous widow of Jim Elliot, an incredible missionary, says this, having now spent more than 41 years single, I've learned that it is indeed a gift, not one that I would choose, not one many women would choose, but we do not choose our gifts, remember? We are given them by a divine giver who knows the end from the beginning and wants above all else to give us the gift of himself. Don't you steal the time that God has given you No, don't return the gift. You need to own it. There's one more person that I want to talk to in the room tonight. And that's the person who is devaluing intentionally someone else's treasure or pearl. You stop cherishing the gift that you claim you had a long time ago. And so you derail other people's faith. You're trying to get them to steal stuff back that they liquidated like you did. And I I want to speak strong, clear words to you. If you are taking someone down the path of not cherishing the gift of the Lord... You are in danger of falling into the hands of God. And I mean his wrathful hands. I want you to consider this your warning, to stop it, to seek repentance. Just because you stop cherishing the treasure of Jesus doesn't give you an excuse to derail someone else's faith. Listen to these words in Galatians 5. Paul says to the church in Galatia, you were running so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty whoever he is. You have permission from the Lord himself straight from the words of God, to walk away from that person who is trying to coerce you to steal things that you liquidated to lay down for the king. So tonight, I want us to remember as we close the euangelion, which is the Greek word for the good news, the gospel of Jesus. You have found the pearl of great price If you were seeking Jesus and he lets you find him, you've stumbled into the hidden treasure of Jesus, those of you who were ambushed. And to all of you, I say, let's recall, let's remember, let's cherish the Jesus who loved and who sacrificed and who gave himself for us that we might be with him, the one who's gone to prepare a place for us, the perfect Groom, loving his bride. I want you to recall the love you had at first. John Calvin says that we need the teaching of today's passage because we're so captivated by the allurements of the world that eternal life fades from our view and in consequence of our carnality, the spiritual graces of God are far from being held by us in the estimation which they deserve. On what do you place the highest value? Do friends, family, possessions, or anything else take the place of God's kingdom in your heart? And so what better way to close our night out than to be reminded of the last few hours of Jesus' life in his earthly form? Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land. Until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But others said, Wait let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split and the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tomb and the resurrection After his resurrection, they went into the holy city and they appeared to many. And when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they said, Truly, this was the Son of God. There were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. A couple of days later, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know what you seek. You seek this Jesus who is crucified, but he is not here. He has risen. Come, and I'll show you where he was. What greater treasure could we possibly hope for? And why would we ever want to take back the things that we sold to know him who loves us more than we love ourselves and loves us just as we are, not as we should be. Lord, would you move in our hearts? Would you convict us, Lord, if we have strayed by going back and not cherishing you? Lord, I thank you that you find us when we're not looking for you. I thank you that you let yourself be found when we seek you. Lord, you are the good news and nothing on earth that I desire compares to you. Lord, would you recapture our hearts tonight that we might, with reckless abandon, sell all that we might have you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.